Hello everyone, here we are again, Reason for Hope, we're glad you're joining us. Uh, we're here live with you for the next hour, in case this is your first time, A Reason for Hope is all about your questions on the Bible. You can send your questions in to us live through multiple platforms, I'll go over those in just a moment for you, and uh, we'd love to delve into the Word to find the answers to those questions. So it might be a verse or patches of Scripture that you've read, you'd like it explained a little more, it's kind of confusing you. Maybe something you're going through in your life, in your world, and um, you'd like to know how you can honor the Lord with your decisions and directions, maybe even questions pertaining to things going on in the world right now, where everything's heading. Does the Bible say anything about that? Uh, any, any question along those lines, maybe even other religions and worldviews as they relate to Christianity and what the Bible says. As long as it's an honest question that you have, we appreciate that. We um, are more than happy to navigate the word with you to find the answers to those questions. So once again, the Bible is where we're finding the answers on this show to your honest and sincere questions. My name is Dave Robson. I'll be your host today. I will be with you on all those platforms. I'll go over those in a moment, receiving your questions as they come in. Today we have Pastor Scott Richards, just the two of us here today. He's the senior pastor here at Calvary Christian Fellowship of Tucson. How are you doing? Yeah, we're all ready to play some tennis, right? Yes, we, yeah. 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 Adding ideas could. back and forth. We probably could. Yeah. Maybe, maybe ping pong <laughs> ping on this pong. table. It's pretty <laughs> sturdy. Yes. <laughs> maybe one day you'll catch us doing that. Uh, we'll or go pickleball. Live. Or pickleball. Mini yeah. pickleball. That's pretty trendy these days. Pickleball. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost evangelical. What? You've never played pickleball? I've got to play pickleball. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> we should have a church group. We do have a setup, actually. The youth has it, but yeah. never played myself, but maybe I should. Well, thank you for being here with us. I know you have uh, an update on what's going on in Israel and the world as well in just a few moments. But before we get to that, let me go over uh, different ways that you can join us and send your questions in just so you're familiar with that. As I mentioned, we are live with you. We're here Monday through Friday, 5 to 6 p.m. Uh, here in the same uh, channels. It's an outreach of Calvary Christian Fellowship here in Tucson, Arizona, where we're broadcasting from. So if you're in the Tucson area and you're looking for somewhere to worship, you are more than welcome to, to come and uh, check out our services here. We have two Sunday morning services and a Wednesday evening service. We teach through the Word, through the Bible, um, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book. Um, so come on, check us out. CalvaryChristianFellowship.com is our website. You can get more information there. But if you go to that Watch Live tab there at CalvaryChristianFellowship.com, that will take you to our live page. Or go directly there by typing in ccftucson.online.church and you will see us live there. You can sign in with the username and send your question in. I'll be right there with you as your question comes in. Uh, when we're offline, you'll see a countdown to our next event. You'll see a schedule of upcoming events as well, so you can see things coming up and certainly join us online for that. We're on Facebook as well. I updated this uh, screenshot today because we have new service times as of Christmas just passed. We have a 9 and 11 a.m. Uh, service and 6.30 p.m. That's as usual on Wednesday. So I realize the times were the old school times. So that's a new screenshot for your viewing pleasure. Uh, but we're live on our page there, facebook.com slash CCF Tucson. You can send your question into the chat function. And uh, if you'd like to like and share and all that good Facebook stuff, you're more than welcome to do that. We'd appreciate that as well. We have an app for your mobile device. If you look for Calvary Christian Fellowship of Tucson in your app store, you can add us on your uh, mobile device, your cell phone, and uh, lots of features on there, messages on there, and archives, and you can view us live as well. Pretty cool stuff. We have a channel on Roku and Apple TV as well, so if you have TVs with those capabilities, 
uh, go to your channel store, look for Calvary Christian Fellowship of Tucson, and you can watch us on your big screen. We're live on YouTube as well. A Reason for Hope is the name of the channel there on YouTube. You can send your question in that way as well. Don't forget to like and subscribe and all that good stuff. Uh, it's a good place for archive as well. You see the live tab there. Anytime you've been live, it will archive there automatically. We also up, uh, upload uh, questions of the week and other video content as well. So YouTube's a great resource. Pastor Scott here is on Twitter, updated this too, because they're going by X these days. But if you'd like to follow along with him on Twitter, Scott R4H, uh, Scott letter R number four letter H is his handle. You can find him there and get some um, updates throughout the day of things going on, uh, commentary on world events as they pertain to biblical prophecy and end times and those kind of things. So Scott Richards on Twitter or X as it is now known Rumble. We are not live on Rumble, but we post video content there, Reason for Hope Bible Q&A. Uh, look for us there. We upload videos there as well. So if you're using the Rumble platform, I'm not on there personally. It's kind of a newer platform, but if you are, you can find us there as well. And then questionsforhope at gmail.com is our email address. Questionsforhope spelled out at gmail.com. We receive questions there as well. And as I said, I'll be jumping around through all those platforms to make sure we're catching your questions as we're live today um, if you listen to us on the radio we're glad that you're joining us do drive safely out there because it's windy and snow coming and all kinds of stuff so do be safe and keep in mind that you're listening to the last show that we did uh, pre-recorded so we're not live with you on the radio but questions for hope at gmail.com is the email address when it's safe to send us an email and we'll get to that question on our next show and you are all very welcome wherever you're joining us from all around the well, we're very glad that you are with us. We're certainly glad to be sharing the word and the truth with you uh, today. So we would love to pause to pray, ask God to bless this time. Pastor Scott, would you like to do the honors? I would. Uh, Lord, thank you so much uh, for your presence here with us. And I thank you, Lord, uh, that you're the one who raises up kings and sets down kings, that all things are uh, occurring, even in this world, uh, according to your plan. Uh, to right this world gone wrong, to uh, send your son, Jesus, and we pray that he would come quickly. We pray, uh, Lord, for uh, the situation going on in Yemen, uh, that uh, you would protect innocence and uh, that you would uh, deliver uh, those who have committed themselves uh, to wickedness and evil into uh, judgment and uh, that you would handle all of that because it is certainly above our pay grade and we want to put it in your hands. Uh, Lord, we pray as well for the peace of uh, Jerusalem. We pray for the people of Israel that you would protect them, particularly the hostages, the 130-some hostages that are still being held. Uh, we pray, Father, that uh, you would uh, cause the Palestinian people at the end of all of this to see their desperate need for you as their savior and that they would turn away from the false teachings of uh, a militant religion that has led nothing to nothing but uh, destruction and mayhem in their lives. Uh, Lord, we pray that there would be a, a, an amazing move of your spirit, even as we have seen uh, the beginnings and the roots of this among the Israeli people. And Lord, for those of us here in the United States, we pray that as your return, Jesus draws nearer and nearer, that more and more people would turn away from darkness into your marvelous light and discover the amazing love that you have for them, the forgiveness of sins that's available to them because you, Jesus, died for them on a cruel Roman cross to pay the price for all of their transgressions mm. and wrongdoing. And all they need to do is simply put their faith and their trust in you, just like that thief on the cross, just saying, remember me, Jesus, and you will receive them and uh, reconcile them to yourself. 
God, we pray many people would do that, even as this program unfolds today. Uh, guide our uh, conversation. Allow mm. us to uh, be able to uh, be reminded uh, of uh, the fact uh, that we do live in very, very interesting times, but we also know that every day that goes by is one day closer to us seeing you face to face. So uh, allow us to have that Maranatha spirit in our hearts, even as we explore your word. And thank you, God, for all the people participating in the broadcast today. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm, amen. Amen. Well, we certainly don't want these things to be out of sight and out of mind. So what is happening? Sounds like lots of developments. Well, um, Jesus said in uh, Matthew chapter 24 that one of the signs of the times uh, would be uh, birth pains, including in these birth pains, wars and rumors of wars, particularly wars and rumors of wars that uh, relate to uh, what is going on among God's people in Israel. Well, we are certainly seeing uh, another birth pain, uh, as if the mm. Gaza conflict wasn't enough, as if what's going on in the Ukraine uh, was enough. I think that's a little oblique as far as things relating to Israel. But as far as the Gaza uh, conflict goes, as far as what's going on with Hezbollah in Lebanon is concerned, certainly we are in the midst of a birth pain, but it appears that this birth pain has stretched across uh, the Saudi Arabian Peninsula to uh, the very south part of it, to the southwest part of it, to the country of Yemen. As uh, we were preparing to go on the air here today, uh, word came that uh, there have been uh, U.S. fighter jets uh, launched and uh, massive explosions in the capital city of Sana'a in Yemen. Now, to understand why Yemen has been brought into all of this, we've told you a bit about uh, a group called the Houthi uh, rebels. Uh, the Houthi rebels are a wholly owned subsidiary of uh, Iran. Uh, they are uh, Shiite uh, Muslims and uh, have gotten involved in the conflict in Gaza by uh, launching uh, drones and ballistic missiles at uh, Israel, uh, at some of the southernmost uh, parts of Israel up the Red Sea. Uh, they have also gotten into the business of uh, launching uh, missiles and drones and attempted hijackings of uh, shipping uh, in the, uh, the area that uh, is uh, leading into the Red Sea from the uh, tip of the Saudi Arabian Peninsula and uh, the Horn of Africa uh, along that line. Uh, the uh, the uh, incidents of them attacking shipping uh, has increased. In fact, uh, it's been very effective. Uh, according to the Financial Times today, 90 percent, uh, there's been a 90 percent uh, decrease in traffic in the Suez Canal, which used to be one of uh, the uh, main arteries as far as world commerce is uh, concerned. Well, uh, just before airtime, uh, there were a number of stories breaking, including uh, a leaked story that the British Prime Minister, Rishi Sonak, had approved of an attack on the capital city of Sana'a in Yemen, as well as uh, many of uh, the uh, military emplacements that the Houthi rebels uh, were uh, using uh, for their particular uh, actions in that region. Uh, the reason that uh, it's kind of gone over the, the, the top and over the brink is uh, because earlier today, Iran got involved in the uh, tanker hijacking business. They hijacked a uh, oil tanker in the uh, Gulf of Oman called the St. Nicholas. Uh, they are uh, currently uh, having this tanker heading to one of the main Iranian ports there in the Gulf of Oman. 
and uh, apparently that was the straw that broke the camel's back. Now, one of the things you need to understand about all that's going on here, whether it's Hamas and uh, Israel in Gaza, whether it's Hezbollah and Israel out of Lebanon, whether it's the Houthi rebels, uh, whether it's uh, the attacks on uh, United States uh, emplacements in Iraq and in northern Syria, all of them point back to one source, and that is the Iranians. Uh, the Iranian uh, mad mullahs have a very successful strategy uh, that was put together by a man named Qasim Soleimani, who was taken out by an American drone about four years ago. We talked a little bit about a, a terrorist attack that took place at his funeral. Uh, by the way, Iran is now accusing uh, Israel of being directly involved with this. Uh, they say that uh, one of the attackers was a 24-year-old Israeli with a Tajikistan citizenship. Uh, there's no evidence to suggest this. In fact, both of them uh, of the uh, terrorists uh, swore allegiance to ISIS uh, before this happened, the particular brand of ISIS that operates out of Afghanistan. But uh, the fact of the matter is Iran has, is the straw that stirs the drink here. And uh, it's very puzzling to see our particular foreign and military policy uh, being conducted in that region without taking into a, effect that Iran is the one that is calling the shots. If you uh, want to fight an octopus, I imagine you can go after each of its tentacles individually, but it makes an awful lot more sense to go after the head. Doesn't appear that that is in the cards as far as our military plans are concerned. So uh, we have uh, the United States and Great Britain uh, both engaged in bombing runs on the capital city of Sana as well as other military emplacements in Yemen. So uh, again, who are these uh, uh, Houthi rebels? What are they all about? Well, probably the easiest way uh, to understand who these Houthi rebels are all about is to uh, take a quick look at uh, their particular flag. Uh, their flag uh, has written in Arabic the following statements. Allahu Akbar, that is God is the greatest, uh, followed by death to America, death to Israel, death to Jews, and victory to Islam. Uh, talk about truth and labeling. That's what these guys are all about. Mm -hmm. And uh, so uh, once uh, the attacks on Israel got going on October 7th, uh, Hezbollah on October 8th began lobbing missiles into northern Israel from Iran. Not to be outdone, the Houthis uh, wanted to get involved with uh, attacking the Jews as well. And uh, when you see their flag, you uh, absolutely know why. Uh, Iran... Uh, has uh, responded to these attacks by warning Saudi Arabia, Qatar, and uh, the United Arab Emirates that if they open their airspace to the U.S. and uh, the U.K., that you are officially at war with us. Uh, so uh, I'm not sure quite how intimidating all that is. They earlier also uh, said that they were going to boycott all U.S. and U.K. goods I'm not sure that's going to really put a dent in any of our economies, but it's something yeah. you say when you're kind of blustering uh, like they do. And blustering is kind of what these people uh, do best. So, uh, you know, we have this going on. Uh, we're going to keep you uh, posted as, uh, as currently as we possibly can about these attacks that are going on. Uh, about the response that uh, undoubtedly Iran and its proxies will have yeah. as a result of all of this. Uh, as far as things going on in Gaza 
itself. Uh, the uh, city of Canyonis in Gaza is now uh, the uh, focal point of the IDF operations there. Uh, apparently, they have found terror tunnels like no other under this uh, southern city in Gaza. In fact, uh, there's evidence to suggest from some of the reports out of the IDF and Israeli intelligence that this is where the hostages are being held. 130 some hostages being held. Yeah. Interestingly, uh, in the Jerusalem Post, uh, we are told that the uh, country of Qatar uh, that uh, has hosted in luxury digs uh, the leadership of Hamas uh, trying to get involved as an intermediary and has presented to the Israeli War Cabinet a proposal for a ceasefire uh, that would see all the leaders of Hamas be deported and all the hostages captured by the terrorist group released in exchange for the withdrawal of the IDF from Gaza. Uh, if such a proposal were implemented, according to Qatari uh, sources, hostages would re be released in stages. Well, the Hostage and Missing Families Forum in response, uh, an organization in Israel that represents a number of the families of those with the, the family members being held hostage, mm. demanded the Israeli War Cabinet approve any deal that would lead to the release of the hostages. Uh, quote, the reports about a new deal that would be uh, presented to the cabinet tonight gives some hope to the families who are anxious about the fate of their loved ones who've been suffering in Hamas tunnels for almost 100 days and nights without food, water, and life-saving medical treatment. Every day that passes, the conditions of the hostages is getting worse. We demand the war cabinet must not concern itself with anything other than the return of the hostages. We demand that they approve any deal that will lead to their immediate release alive. Well, again, uh, the War Cabinet uh, is uh, convening to discuss this particular proposal. Um, there's only one fly in the ointment uh, as, as far as this was concerned. Uh, a couple, it was reported on Israeli media that a senior IDF official returned to Israel after visiting Egypt, during which discussions were held on the expansion of humanitarian aid to the Gaza Strip and the question of the day after uh, status of Gaza. Also, at the request of the Biden administration, Israel discussed with Egyptians the possibilities of further increasing humanitarian aid to the Strip, something that was a significant part of the senior officials' visit to Cairo. Uh, senior Israeli officials said there is no breakthrough in the issue of hostages. Mm -hmm. Now, here's where the whole thing becomes a non-starter. Okay, the Qataris come to the Israelis and say, okay, here's this proposal. Uh, you withdraw all your troops, and uh, we'll make sure that Hamas uh, removes uh, all of uh, or releases all of the hostages. Mm. Well, here's your your major stumbling point. And if you're thinking about this logically, the big question is: Well, great, uh, propose that to the Israelis. What does Hamas think of all this? Did they pre-approve this? The answer is a big no. Mm. Uh, on Wednesday, Sky News Arabia published Hamas's view on the Qatari proposal with the terror organization stating its objection to any deal that does not see them rule the Gaza Strip. This is from the Jerusalem Post. In addition, in a categorical statement, the head of Hamas's political bureau, Ismail Haniyeh, said in Qatar on Tuesday that Israel, quote, will never get their hostages back unless all of our prisoners in the occupation prisons are released. Uh, furthermore, the terror group insists on a ceasefire prior to any negotiation on the release of hostages. In, in, in other words, what they're saying is our starting position 
is that you've got to let us go back to running Gaza, mm. Hamas, the same people who kidnapped these individuals. Mm. Can you think of a significant problem with that particular proposal? <laughs> uh, if you basically get away with it and uh, your leadership is ensconced in a, a luxury high rise in gutter uh, and uh, Israel backs off, uh, you release a few hostages, uh, well, what is going to prevent you from doing what Hamas has already said they are going to do? That is have October 7th after October 7th after October 7th until from the river to the sea, Israel will be free of Jews. Yeah. That's what that slogan actually means. So uh, to, to do this sort of thing, and you know, again, I understand uh, the emotions involved with the, uh, the uh, families of all this, and I just think it's sad that uh, Hamas is exploiting uh, even the feelings and emotions of these families of the hostages uh, in order to grandstand. Really, really sad stuff. Another uh, interesting development that is going on and with all of this, and this is something to watch as far as the aftermath of this attack on Sana in, uh, in uh, the uh, country of Yemen. Uh, the Houthi rebels have said that if uh, they are attacked, they will concentrate their attacks on the country of Djibouti. I bet you've probably never even heard of the country of Djibouti. <laughs> it's my favorite. But it's a very important country because it is a small country on the Horn of Africa, which leads into, again, the Red Sea and the Suez Canal and so on. Mm. Uh, it also is the home of the largest United States uh, military emplacement in Africa. Really? Uh, so basically what they're saying is we're going to go after you. Yeah. Uh, one of the reasons that uh, some have said that we've been reticent about getting involved with uh, coming down harder on the Houthi rebels and their uh, launch into piracy is because of the potential threat on Djibouti. Mm -hmm. uh, the other thing that I think is emboldening uh, the Houthi rebels is the fact that, as we have detailed here, our Secretary of uh, Defense, Lloyd Austin, is now being asked to step down, to resign, because uh, he not only had uh, prostate cancer surgery, he had complications from prostate cancer surgery, has been in the hospital the better part of two weeks without telling his boss he was in the hospital. <laughs> Joe Biden had no idea he was in the hospital until two days ago. Wow. So... Uh, this is not the kind of thing that uh, builds confidence in allies or yeah. fear in enemies. Right. If they see this kind of, uh, uh, in essence, gross incompetence yeah. taking place. And, and I mean, there's, there's only one of two conclusions to come to about having your Secretary of Defense out of the loop mm -hmm. with literally nobody being told yeah. for the better part of two weeks. Either he is incredibly incompetent and he won't be missed, or he is irrelevant. Yeah. He has no say really on uh, the conducting of uh, military affairs. Uh, I'm not sure which one of these two you want to come down on, but mm -hmm. suffice it to say, when this sort of thing happens, it is no wonder that a country like Iran decides to seize a tanker themselves. Yeah. They're going to continue to push and see what they can get away with yeah. uh, because the only thing that uh, these people really understand is the issue of strength. And why wouldn't they? Uh, you guess what else happened today? Uh, Israel was brought up on charges of genocide mm. in the International Court of Justice in The Hague in uh, the Netherlands. 
uh, the uh, barristers from South Africa, who basically are acting as proxies for Hamas, brought these charges against Israel in uh, this uh, particular uh, court of law. Israel, uh, wanting to present its case, wanted to present before the International Court of Justice a 50-minute edited, edited-together version of uh, the atrocities that happened on October 7th mm. uh, that were the product of uh, body cams that were worn by Hamas terrorists as they butchered helpless Israel yeah. Israelis, raped yeah. them in the, the, the whole bit. Uh, that was refused by the court. Mm. That was considered irrelevant to this particular conversation. So um, if you're keeping score at home, uh, what we're basically dealing with is an international criminal court that's bringing Israel up on charges of genocide uh, when, in essence, uh, it was Hamas that not only slaughtered 1,400 Israelis uh, without provocation, but has also uh, boldly stated that it is their desire to ethnically cleanse the entire area uh, that we would know as Israel and the West Bank yeah. of any Jewish presence whatsoever. Yeah. However, in this bizarro world that we live in right now, mm-hmm. Israel is the bad guy. Now, we could yeah. go into details about what a uh, flaming mess South Africa has turned into over the last few years, and maybe they would want to uh, pay attention to, say, the statistics on rape and murder that are skyrocketing in their own country before they launch into uh, evaluating Israel. But uh, the fact of the matter is uh, Israel is not even allowed to defend itself in this international court of law. Will it have any teeth? Probably not. Uh, It's a a political move, a grandstanding move. Uh, And uh, again, speaking of politicians and grandstanding, our own Anthony Blinken Uh, The Secretary of State has weighed in on the conflict and said that if Israel really wants to isolate Iran, they need to uh, recognize and establish a Palestinian state. Hmm. Uh, To quote our good friend and commentator Amir Safadi, after October 7th, uh, the whole enterprise in Gaza was a Palestinian state-let. Uh, Israel cleaning out its own people who had been there for decades, turning over all of the infrastructure they had built with their own hands Mm. to uh, the Palestinians immediately. Hamas and Fatah, uh, which is uh, the Palestinian Authority. By the way, did you know that Fatah, uh, by the way, uh, was the name of the military arm of the Palestine Liberation Organization? Mm. That was the name of their military thing. And that's the name of the party that Mahmoud Abbas in the West Bank represents. Um, The only difference between Hamas and Fatah is just a a question of uh, degree. Uh, Hamas wants to slaughter Jews immediately, uh, Fatah a little at a time. That's why they have their pay-for-slay program, where if uh, one of your children goes out and blows up an Israeli or dies attacking Israelis, uh, you're then deemed a martyr and you are put on a pension for the rest of your life. This is, this is what you're dealing with yeah. here if you're Israel, yeah. right? So Gaza was established in 2005 uh, as a completely Palestinian-run entity mm. with its own borders, its own ports, its own ability uh, to uh, be able to develop itself. Billions of dollars, more money has been poured into Gaza than uh, under the Marshall Plan in World War II for the reconstruction of Europe after World War II. Mm. 
What did they spend the money on? Well, the first thing that happened was Hamas and Fatah had a civil war. And Hamas slaughtered Fatah, kicked them out, and sent them running back to the West Bank. Once Hamas got into power, they used all of that money to build terror tunnels, terrorist infrastructure, buy missiles, and the rest, as they say, is history. Uh, if the United States had, uh, say, uh, just for example, a province in Canada that went rogue mm. and decided uh, that their whole reason for existence was the extermination mm. of the United States, and uh, then they uh, said, well, we, we hate you and we want to exterminate you, but, but of course, uh, we need electricity and water from you. Uh, and we were providing that. Yep. And then they began to launch missiles at us. And they began to kidnap our citizens. Mm -hmm. They began to doing raids across the border where American citizens were tortured and raped in the most brutal and heinous ways possible. Uh, my question is, how would we respond to all of that? Mm. And yet we're saying to Israel, easy. Yeah. You know, don't get too worked up about all of this. Right. Well, I think Israel is worked up about all of this. And uh, if uh, you are interested in getting a directly Israeli perspective on all of this, uh, we are on the 19th having uh, Ronnie Simone, our tour guide from Israel, retired IDF colonel, here to do his uh, Israel Comes to You presentation. That's going to happen on Saturday. But on Friday night, on the 19th, uh, Ronnie is going to uh, answer your questions on what's going on in Israel, what's going on with the Gaza war, uh, what are the prospects for the future of the Middle East, and uh, boy, the insights that he has are uh, absolutely tremendous. In fact, uh, I saw a, a posting of his on Facebook where he, because of his status with the IDF, was one of those who was among those who was allowed to inspect uh, the aftermath of these Palestinian attacks on the kibbutzes uh, wow. after October 7th. So he has first hand knowledge of what has gone on in these places and we'll be able to share that with us so if yeah. you want uh, that kind of perspective uh, as they say uh, boy it's uh, filling up quick gang yeah. uh, our capacity to be able to uh, accommodate people is almost uh, uh, reaching uh, its uh, capacity so if you would like to uh, be a part of all this go online at calvarychristianfellowship.com you can sign up and uh, reserve your place uh, for uh, this Understanding Israel Conference. Uh, if you're listening on radio, we capitalize the word stand, S-T-A-N-D, because uh, we not only want to show you what Israel's like, to give you the experience of going on a tour of Israel, which will happen on Saturday, but we also want to be able to explain to you why we stand with Israel. And if you'd like to get a head start on that, please go to our YouTube page, uh, my right-hand man, protege, all-around good guy, Sean Richards, has put up a series of posts that can explain to you why we as Calvary Christian Fellowship take a strong stand with Israel during this uh, particular conflict. So if you really want to um, explore this biblically, historically, politically, uh, all of that information is up for you, and uh, it's available at uh, A Reason for Hope on uh, our YouTube site. You can also access it at calvarychristianfellowship.com, from what I understand. Yes. I don't want to talk out of turn. No. You're, you're the IT guy. <laughs> <laughs> One of the many. Yeah. Yes, you're absolutely right. Yeah. And that conference is coming up next, yeah, next Friday. Um, and Ronnie is amazing, so knowledgeable. Um, and like you say, firsthand information there. It's going to be, it's going to be great if uh, you certainly want to get on board with that, because like you say, it's filling up real quick. 
Uh, well, well, thank you for that. Thank you for keeping us up to date. And as I said, I'm going to keep uh, Weather Eye here on uh, uh, our social media and our news sources uh, to uh, find out uh, exactly what is going on in this uh, particular set of circumstances. If you want to follow along, um, please do so uh, on our uh, Twitter uh, site. It's Scott Richards at Scott R4H. And we will do our best uh, to keep you up to date on the latest developments in that region. Great. Sounds good. Say, again, you. Israel is the straw that stirs the drink. Right. Watch Israel. Israel is God's countdown clock yep. for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. Right. That's right. Yep. That's why we, yep. we we dedicate so much time to to uh, keeping you up to date with those things. Um, well, we have some questions coming in. Once again, you can send in uh, your Bible questions. And uh, we have some time here left on the show to get to your questions so send them on in I have a question from VVVV uh, is their name so I don't know <laughs> um, is the Assyrian church in the east our brothers and sisters in Christ or a cult is there an Assyrian church that you are aware of um, in a uh, I assuming that what you're referring to is the Assyrian Orthodox Church mm. uh, maybe you could clarify that if uh, you're still uh, with us uh, online um, you know uh, again uh, I think that is what is being uh, mentioned there okay uh, you know like any uh, uh, offshoot of the Greek Orthodox Church they basically are all Orthodox they just are uh, ruled by regional bishops and so on uh, and uh, as far as uh, uh, the essentials of the Christian faith, uh, you know, it's almost like uh, talking to somebody and saying our Roman Catholics are brothers and sisters in Christ. Mm. Because uh, I think if you talk to the average uh, Orthodox uh, individual and you ask them, do you believe uh, that uh, Jesus Christ is uh, God's Son, God, very God in human flesh, uh, second person of the Trinity, uh, born of a virgin, uh, lived a sinless life, died on a cross, rose from the dead, we could be saved they would say yes yes and yes yep. um, there are some other issues that come up about the nature of salvation itself uh, that yep. we would probably differ with as far as the Greek Orthodox Church is uh, is concerned but uh, talking to the average Greek Orthodox person is almost like talking to the average Roman Catholic person mm. uh, you know for instance a person said yes I'm a Roman Catholic and I believe everything that is written in the book of canon law of the Roman Catholic Church. Mm. Well, I would say you got a problem there mm. because among other things that we find in the canon law of the Roman Catholic Church is the um, conclusions of a, a meeting called the Council of Trent, uh, where among other things, the Roman Catholic Church said that anyone that says that scripture is more authoritative than church tradition is anathema or cursed. Mm. Uh, among other things, uh, they would say anybody who says that you are saved by faith without works uh, is cursed. Mm. Uh, so, you know, these anathemas that are pronounced there. Now, some of it had been softened a bit at Vatican II, but uh, the text of uh, the Council of Trent is still there in the book of canon law and is considered uh, doctrine by the Roman Catholic Church. Now, you talk to the average Roman Catholic, and you ask them about the Council of Trent, they'd probably just kind of look at you blankly. So I think in both of these situations, uh, if uh, you find yourself in a uh, conversation with somebody 
that uh, say is a part of uh, say the Assyrian Orthodox Church. Uh, I tend to uh, err on the side of grace uh, if someone tells me uh, that uh, if uh, that they are a part of uh, this church, uh, there are some serious issues that we would have to talk about. Uh, obviously, uh, they pray to Mary, the bearer of God. Uh, they venerate saints. They pray for the dead. Uh, they teach a salvation that, although you really kind of have to get them to, it's kind of hard to get them nailed down. It does appear mm -hmm. to be based upon uh, religious works. Yeah. So, uh, you know, when uh, you talk to a person who's a part of all of that, uh, my two cents worth is if someone says I'm a Christian, but I go to this church, well yeah. then, you know, again, if they claim to be a Christian, that's sort of my default position. Right. But if they start to say some things that seem to be a bit off base or your discernometer goes off, then have a friendly conversation about it. Mm -hmm. And by friendly, what I'd say is, well, you know, you and I would agree on one thing, that the Bible is God's inspired word. It's mm -hmm. my authority and your authority, right? Well, let's, let's explore these things together as far as what the Bible has to say on these crucial issues. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, who knows? It could be a very uh, profitable opportunity maybe to share with somebody the difference between faith in a church and having right. faith in Christ. So yeah. 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 I guess the same for any, even someone who comes here doesn't necessarily make them. We've oh. had we have people that's attended here for years. Oh, I could tell you stories. Yeah. yeah. And then suddenly it's like you, you know, your, your beliefs differ very vastly from what we teach. Yeah. Uh, in one situation, there was a guy, really neat guy, uh, very, uh, fun, funny guy. Mm -hmm. Uh, really ha seemed to have uh, a lot of, uh, of uh, talents and abilities and was uh, seriously thinking about getting involved uh, with our uh, youth ministry as, as a part of leadership. And, uh, you know, sitting down and talking with him about all of that, you know, I said, well, you know, have you taken a look at, uh, you know, our statement of faith? And he said, well, yeah, I just have one problem with it, though. And I said, well, what's that? Because I don't believe Jesus was God. <laughs> That's a pretty big problem. <laughs> That's a biggie. Yeah. 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 I can't really. Well, we can agree to disagree. On, no. Yeah. That's an N-O. That is a non-negotiable. Yeah. But, you know, here was a guy who'd been coming to our church for years. Yeah. And believe that. Well. I don't, you sat under my teaching, Dave. I don't think I'm subtle on that subject. No. He's but, either not listening or he you yeah. know, is very tolerant or something. Yeah, I, I guess. <laughs> wow. Uh, but there you go. So. Yeah. Just because somebody goes to a church doesn't mean they believe what the church believes, either right. for good or for ill. Yeah. So it's always good to explore those things with yep. the person. Yeah, great. Yeah. I hope that helps you with that. Thank you for that, that question. A uh, question from Kathy. Where do you see the church heading if the Lord tarries? Will there, will there be more denominations or will it stay where it's at? Uh, hypothetical example church of mars space station year 2050 <laughs> please say that's true well, <laughs> sounds, please say the Bible. sounds awesome i'm in yeah yeah well uh i i don't know about uh, space stations and uh, church but where two or more would gather in his name jesus would be in the midst so, <laughs> yeah i mean that's about as good you know um essentially what we see uh, related in the scripture, especially uh, about the church, is this. Um, the church has a funny way of proceeding along in fits and starts. And, and mm. by that, what I mean 
is that we will see God do an amazing work of his spirit. And many, many people are touched and blessed. Uh, but then uh, it seems like uh, it, it's been called the three-generation rule. The first generation is truly moved on by God. They're, they're touched. They're blessed by the Lord. Then the second generation that's a part of this movement, well, sort of rides on the, uh, the, the coattails of the first. They, yeah. just, uh, they don't really have the same passion. They kind of believe the same things. Uh, the first builds up a bunch of facilities and things like that, and the second kind of benefits. Yeah. Then the third generation comes along, and they have none of the basic uh, commitments to God that the first generation had. Mm. And you look at church history through that lens, and you see it repeated over and over and over again. Denominations, groups, different things along that line. Yeah. Uh, you know, when I take a look at the, the, the Bible, uh, I don't mean to be pessimistic but we do see uh, a continuing warning that as the last days progress and get gets closer and closer, first of all, false prophets and false teachers will wax worse and worse, Paul said to Timothy, mm. deceiving and being deceived. In other words, deception isn't going to get better, it's going to get worse. Uh, we are told uh, in, in the scripture that, uh, you know, for instance, in the book of 1 John, that there would be people that would come out of your own midst, antichrists who went out for us because they weren't of us. Mm. Uh, you know, they're little protégés of the antichrist, sowing uh, deception and, and false doctrine among God's people. And, uh, you know, what we see, and when I say the fits and starts thing, is uh, that we see down through church history, say, for instance, taking a look at the early church. You know, we've got Pentecost, we've got the disciples, we've got the Apostle Paul and powerful ministry, you know, turning the world upside down for Christ in the book of Acts. Mm -hmm. But already in the book of Acts, Paul warned that after he left, there would be savage wolves who would come in and not spare the flock. Mm -hmm. uh, so, uh, you know, in this world, you know, I, I, you know, it's almost like the physical uh, uh, principle of entropy, mm -hmm. that in a fallen world, everything's falling apart and running down. No. You know, the only way you keep things from falling apart and running down is you have to introduce energy into them mm. to keep that, uh, that default position from taking over. Same thing I think is true in the church. Uh, unless the church is continually relying upon the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of God's word mm. and keeping first things first, um, we tend to go that same way. Uh, you know, you think about the Methodist church and how it began, and the, the Methodists were at one point considered like uh, campus crusade for Christ uh, people on steroids. I mean, right. they were just evangelistic animals yeah. uh, out there. Uh, now in the United Methodist Church, you can go to United Methodist Church and John and Charles Wesley probably wouldn't even recognize what they started. Mm. Uh, completely Bible optional, uh, not wow. really uh, convinced the Bible is the word of God. Uh, I don't want to paint with too broad a brush, but yep. uh, you know, you just kind of wonder when was the last time a person got saved in the United Methodist Church? Mm. And it started out, you know, guns are blazing on fire, yeah. but that, that principle kicks in. I think it's also interesting in the book of Revelation chapters two and three, that we have the seven churches that are laid out there, mm -hmm. the seven churches in Asia. Uh, I don't think it's just coincidental that out of all the churches that were uh, around in 1890, when uh, the book of uh, Revelation uh, was written, uh, that these seven were selected just because they were on a trade route or something like this. Right. I believe that this prophetic book has prophetic implications. And so, you know, you see 
uh, in essence, in these seven churches, a breakdown of what church history was going to be like from the time of the apostles all the way to the return of Christ. Uh, you know, people differ as to which churches represent which eras, and if you read uh, someone, they all got different eras and things like that associated with it. But uh, I think the, the key thing to, to understand, though, is that the last church before we hear the Lord say, come up here, is the church at Laodicea. Mm. Uh, the church uh, that Jesus said, I know your works, that you're neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I'm rich, I become wealthy, I have need of nothing. And you do not know that you're wretched, miserable, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich and white garments that you may be clothed and that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and, and chasten. Therefore, be zealous, literally, be on fire and repent. Um, I, I guess uh, where I see the church going, uh, I think uh, movements like the Jesus movement, you know, the Jesus revolution, yeah. I think they've had their day and it's almost like the energy's kind of spent. Yeah. I think we're either second or in some cases, third generation removed from the passionate work of God's spirit that uh, generated and changed so many people's lives. Mm -hmm. um, can other movements get going? Well, certainly in sub-Saharan Africa, there's a powerful work of God's spirit going on there. And people are literally laying down their lives for their faith in Jesus today. We don't yeah. see that because we're here in the United States. But, right. but I think what you're going to see is that continuing to happen. I don't think we are beyond uh, the, the realm of seeing a major turning to Christ, maybe even in this country. Mm. Certainly pray for that. We certainly share a faith as if that's the case. But uh, the mystery of lawlessness, mm. uh, according to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, is already at work and is going to continue to do so to set the stage for the time when the Antichrist is going to come on the scene. When we take a look at the condition of the world in general, boy, I'll tell you, the idea of the rejection of uh, the standard of uh, God's word is absolute truth seems pretty pervasive. Yeah. Uh, the idea of hedonism, that is, uh, whatever feels good, do it. Uh, that seems to be dominating the, uh, the stage. Uh, you know, wokeism, I guess we could call that, but the idea of uh, Marxism, a, a explicitly God-rejecting form of governance in society, yeah. is uh, growing by leaps and right. bounds. Um, you know, lawlessness, uh, the idea that I've got my truth and you've got your truth and uh, whatever works yeah. for you works. Right. Uh, we're seeing that uh, growing by leaps and bounds as well. You know, it can be discouraging, but uh, Jesus said, when you see these things begin to happen, look up yeah. for your salvation draws near. Yeah. And each and every one of us can make a decision. And people say, well, that three generation thing, you know, how do I, how do I make sure that I'm not part of that third generation? Well, Again, decide you're going to be a first-generation Christian. Right. You know, renew your heart daily on the power of the Holy Spirit. Commit yourself to God's Word. Be a person that is reaching out to this lost and dying world with Jesus' love. And you know, I think uh, you're going to see powerful things happen in your life. Yeah. Absolutely. So, kind of like the old saw about, uh, you know, what? How do we deal with the uh, problem of hypocrisy in the church? Hmm. Well, probably the best way is don't be don't one. Come, yeah. How do we deal <laughs> with uh, lukewarmness and uh, the church caving in and falling apart uh don't have a spiritual life that's caving in and falling apart right yeah and that's something as you mentioned i see changing that you know it's been easy to be a, a lukewarm christian you know you, you can be a christian without it really costing you anything in our 
country and culture whereas you know brothers and sisters around the world it's not the case but that's kind of changing as you mentioned there's things rising up politically where yeah persecution real you know could really be coming to where that may be a change in the church that these people that yeah i'm a christian but it doesn't you know just kind of a, a something i do on sundays you know i'm just yeah and and uh, the diversity uh, equity and inclusion movement that seems to be dominating major institutions there was a, uh, a story that broke today uh, about a uh, one of the head honchos at johns hopkins uh, medical school who uh, published a, uh, a uh, tome that was broadcast among all of the staff uh, about uh, how uh, white privilege is the biggest problem that they deal with. Mm. And uh, the problem with white privilege is if you've got white privilege, you don't even realize that you have white privilege. No. And if you're white, male, uh, you're non-homosexual, and if you are a Christian, mm. you are a part of the problem. Yeah. Well, when that got leaked, obviously there was some serious backtracking and some statements about, well, I didn't really mean that, and yeah. I, I could have expressed that better, and so on. But uh, it really kind of came down to uh, one of those uh, non-apologies, like, I'm sorry you're a sorehead yeah. kind of a thing, or I'm sorry I got caught, yeah. you know, next time I'll be more stealthy. Yeah. Um, you know, we're, we're seeing that. Yeah. You know, if you're a Christian, I don't care what your ethnicity is, you're kind of on the hit list. Yeah. Uh, because again, Christians say that Jesus is Lord and, uh, the woke movement essentially says that Marxism is Lord, right. that, um, socialism, having worldwide socialism, that that is the way to salvation. Yeah. And, uh, socialism, Marxism is a jealous God, mm -hmm. doesn't suffer rivals gladly. Right. So get ready. Yes. Get yeah. ready indeed. Yeah. But I love it. Be that first generation. <clears throat> uh, good stuff. Well, Kathy, thank you. I'm um, just checking that was your question. Yeah, Kathy, thank you for your question today and being with us. Question from Yari. Uh, if I have uh, an affair and Don't. some... So yeah, there you go. Next question. <laughs> yeah, you don't need to ask, just don't, and then you won't have to worry about this issue at all. If I have an affair and someone sees and they turn away from Christ because of me, will I be held accountable? Will blood be on my hands, as it says in Ezekiel and in Matthew? If you cause one of these little ones to stumble, Thoughts on this? I know someone who is an atheist who turned away from Christ because he witnessed someone in the church not practicing their faith. Well, you know, uh, Yari, this is a subject that does come up. You know, uh, we uh, mentioned before about dealing with ex-evangelicals. Yep. And uh, some ex-evangelicals, as they like to call themselves, are such because someone in the church stuck it to them. Someone in the church did them wrong. Um, I, I know uh, of people uh, that uh, are no longer professing Christians because, say, uh, a spouse had an affair with another Christian in the church, and yeah. they went off and got married and, and so on. Yeah. And uh, you just kind of have to like it kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, you know, you, the, the gist of your question is, is this uh, a, a situation like Ezekiel talked about where, you know, their blood is on their hands. Well, Ezekiel, we need to understand that that whole statement that is being made was given the position of being a prophet of God. And when right. a prophet of God was given a message from God, uh, that still didn't mean they didn't have a free will to say yes or no, I'm going to share this, I'm not yeah. going to share it. In fact, in that environment, uh, sharing God's truth uh, was not the best way to make friends and influence people. Ask Jeremiah what happened to him yeah. as a result of that sort of thing. Uh, but when you're a prophet and God gives you a message, God expects you to share that message. And when we see the statements in Ezekiel about, I will require it from 
your hand. Uh, basically, what God was saying to Ezekiel in his prophetic role, that uh, if you see people going the wrong way, and as my representative, with my words in you, you uh, just turn away and say, well, fui on yui, uh, then yeah, I'm going to require their blood at your hand. Now, that doesn't mean that my relationship with God is contingent uh, upon a work, if you will. Yeah. That is uh, warning people that are uh, going astray. However, if I really belong to Jesus, if I share his heart and I see somebody going astray, but I care more about how they feel about me than what I know is going to happen to them if they continue down this path to spiritual destruction, yeah. well, you know, once again, we kind of do a heart check at this point. Mm. Do I have a relationship with, with God? Um, you know, is, is the, the love of Jesus uh, really in me or do I love myself more than I love Jesus? Yeah. So I guess to get to the essence of uh, Yari's hypothetical here, if you have an affair, right, um, can God forgive that? Yeah. Um, and what is the contingency on forgiveness? It's repentance. It's mm. turning back to God and asking him to forgive you personally, but it's also bringing forth fruit in keeping with repentance. Yeah. A person can uh, get involved with infidelity and, uh, and turn back to God and have a heartfelt change in their life. Mm. But I think the thing that causes so many people to see that and turn away uh, is uh, kind of comes down to an interesting word that we find in 1 Timothy chapter 3 about the qualifications for leadership in the church. They're to be beyond reproach. Mm. Now, if we define beyond reproach as sinless or perfect, there's no leaders in the church. Right. Okay, so what causes a person to be a, an object of reproach? Mm. Well, the people that end up being reproached in our culture, our culture, even secularly, if someone is really broken over what they've done, if they're sincere about it, if they tangibly demonstrate uh, with their time, talent, and their treasure mm -hmm. that they have turned from all of this, they're willing to accept any consequences that are coming to them as a result of what they've done, people be endlessly forgiving, I have found, even yeah. in, 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 in media and so forth. Yeah. But the minute somebody starts um, qualifying things, yeah. uh, you know, starts uh, kind of uh, the... Uh, yeah, I'm sorry you're such a sorehead, non-apologies. Yeah. Um, you know, or the dreaded, you know, if what I have done has offended anyone, yeah. I'm deeply sorry. Right. Now, and what's wrong with that? Well, it's basically saying that it's not my fault that there's a problem here, it's your fault. Yeah. It's your touchy feelings, yeah. see? So grow up, put on your big boy pants and let me you know, go on with, with what I'm gonna do. Yeah. You have that kind of attitude. The average person in our society is gonna go, nah, mm -hmm. nah. And, and when I, you talk about those ex-evangelicals uh, and people that have been burned in situations, boy, I remember a few years back there was a uh, Christian uh, 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 fund was kind of a bank that got going and they could promise you like 10% return on your uh, investments and so on. And part of the proceeds were going to go to uh, churches and church planning and missions and missionaries. Well, it turned out it was a big Ponzi scheme. Mm -hmm. And uh, when the real estate market turned, they couldn't pay their 10% interest anymore. And one person that my wife and I talked to had put all of their money in this thing, lost all of their retirement. Mm 
And this person just says, I'm not a Christian anymore because of this. Yeah. Well, the first thing that I would say to that person is, did Jesus rip you off? Right. Would Jesus, how would Jesus look at what these people did? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I talked to a guy once uh, who was worried that he lost his salvation because he gave his life to Christ at, under the ministry of uh, one of the TV evangelists who got exposed as a total hypocrite. Yeah. And uh, he goes, oh, you know, I got saved at this you know, Jimmy Swaggart uh, deal. And I'm not even sure I'm saved anymore. And I looked at him and said, well, did you accept Jimmy Swaggart as your personal savior? Yeah. And the guy went, no. And I said, well, who did you receive as your personal savior? And he said, Jesus. And I said, well, is Jesus a hypocrite? Mm -hmm. Did Jesus uh, play fast and lose morally? No. And, and I mean, there's a lesson here, I think, for all of us. Um, if we wanted to sit here, Dave, and talk about churches that have done us wrong, I think I could keep up with anybody yeah. as far as bad church experiences go and bad experiences with Christians. Yeah. You know, I was asked by a cousin once, I just don't get it. Why are you still a Christian after all you've gone through with Christians? Hmm. I said, well, Jesus is the only one who's never let me down. Why would I right. send him away? If you have that faith in Jesus, then you're going to be all right. Uh, and, and so... Uh, really important uh, to uh, to understand the distinction between churchianity and Christianity, yeah. because uh, people, places, and things will let you down, but Jesus never will. That's right. That's right. So, and those those sincere apologies can be such a a witness as well, being yeah. able to say that was wrong, what I did was wrong, and I'm willing to accept whatever consequences go. Right. With it. Right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's a yeah. beautiful witness too. Well, we're out of time. The music is playing. We'll be back again, same time, same places tomorrow for some more reason for hope in your questions. God bless you guys. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Amen. <laughs> Amen to that. You've been listening to A Reason for Hope. Thank you again for joining us as we continue our journey through God's Word, one question of the heart at a time. Until we meet again, we would love to connect with you. You can text or email your questions to questionsforhope at gmail.com. You can also find out more about our ministry at calvarychristianfellowship.com. And be sure to join us next time on A Reason for Hope. A Reason for Hope is an outreach ministry of Calvary Christian Fellowship in Tucson, Arizona.